Guys, it's Shane Larson from the Game Time Guru Podcast. I'm excited to be here with you this week for an awesome interview. Before we get into this interview with the coach of my alma mater, and as you know, we discussed the resurgence of the Meridian High School basketball program, I ask that you please leave me a review on Apple Podcasts. Make sure you're subscribed to the podcast on whichever podcast platform you're listening on, and uh, make sure to get ready for some amazing sports content. This is the Game Time Guru. So, what time is it? Game Time Guru! If you're sick of the mainstream sports outlets, well, so was I. So I started my own show. I'm Shane Larson, and this is the Game Time Guru. It's different than other talk shows. I'm providing a panoramic view on sports so you can see them through a different lens. So buckle up and let's go. What's up, everyone? Welcome out to the Game Time Guru podcast. Once again, I am your host, Shane Larson. We are going three and a half years strong into the show, and uh, we have surpassed 50,000 downloads, 79 different countries. So if you have not done so yet, make sure you head on over to iTunes, leave me a review on the podcast, subscribe to the show, and share it with your friends and family. Now, today, I have an awesome guest on the show, and this is actually a really, really special episode for me because I've been following this individual for the last couple of years, just kind of you know, admiring his work as he took over my alma mater, Meridian High School's basketball team, and kind of got them over the hump, if you will, of what they had been experiencing since the last year that we had made it to the state tournament. And a lot of you guys who have been following my show know that Meridian High School basketball, my, my senior year, we made it to the state tournament. We had a, a pretty cool season that year, but they hadn't made it back since. And then we were going on like 14 years. And uh, now the man right here is the one who got him back to the tournament this last season. His name's Jeff Sainer. Jeff, thanks so much for joining the show. Hey, I really appreciate it. Thank you for having me. Absolutely, man. Now, it's awesome just to see what you've done um, with this program over there. And we're going to get to that a little bit, but we want to get to know you. The part of this show, Jeff, is just getting to know our guests and, and humanizing it a little bit as well. So we want to get to know you. You've been in the coaching thing for a little while, but before coaching, you were a player and you even played at the D1 level. So let's go back in time before that. Where are you from and when did you pick up a basketball for the first time? Well, believe it or not, I'm, I'm originally from Caldwell, Idaho. Uh, born over in Caldwell. We moved to Boise when I was three years old, raised in Boise, uh, grew up in the Bora district and uh, just, you know, it was, it was Boise is the best place ever uh, back then. So uh, then my, my dad got remarried and, uh, and his family, our new family was from Boise High District. So we had to transfer. I transferred uh, the seventh grade. I transferred over and went to a few, <laughs> I went to East Junior High School. I went to I went to West Junior High School first, then East, then North, and then to Boise High. And uh, yeah, I just grew up in Boise, Idaho. Man, okay. So you're, you're from the Valley. Like, you're around here. That's why people kind of, like, know your name. They, they know who you are. But you played in a lot of areas, kind of just growing up, doing your thing. Did you play multiple sports, or did you kind of focus in on basketball as a, as a teen? No, we, we, uh, we played multiple sports. But back then, it was just that's what everybody did. You know, you played, yeah. I played baseball, then we played football, and then we played basketball. And I think the difference between, you know, then and now is that, you know, we actually had time between seasons. You know, now, nowadays, a kid who wants to pursue basketball, he's, he's playing probably 10 or 11 months out of 12. Uh, we didn't have that. You know, we, we had a two-month baseball season, and then, we, <laughs> and then we had all summer off. Uh, and then we would have a three-month, two-and-a-half, three-month football season, and we'd have a month off, and we'd have a two month basketball season. And, and so we had time, which I think is something that we're really missing nowadays that uh, we had time to get excited about the next sport and, and kind of practice up, play in the backyard and things like that. So uh, yeah, we played, we played pretty much every sport there was. When did you know that basketball was going to be the kind of route that you took to get to the next level for like the collegiate realm? 
Yeah. Well, I don't know about the collegiate realm, but I, you know, basketball was always my sport. Okay. Um, I played football, I played baseball, but basketball is the one that I really, I really was the most excited about. And, and mostly that came from, it came from a couple things. Uh, one, going to see the Harlem Globetrotters, right? Like everybody, they make you fall in love with basketball. Uh, and the other one was going to Boise State games back then. And that was when Steve Connor and Trent Johnson and Danny Jones were there. And it was about 1976 that that team was really good and, and uh, won the big sky. And they played in the old gym, which was, you know, basically like a nowadays is about, about like a high school gym. I think it held 5,500 people. We would sit on the stage and we would just, we would just go crazy. And that was also back when the players could hang out with the alumni. So my folks were uh, boosters and we would go over to Thanksgiving at, and I, I, at one of the assistant coaches houses and there's Trent and me and my brother and Trent are wrestling, you know, on the floor and he's throwing us every which way, but loose. But um, you know, that's really when, you know, basketball was my thing. And I just, I just fell in love with it and, and knew I wanted to play it. That's so awesome, man. Now, what took you to UW? Like, that's my question here. As I researched your career, I'm just curious. So you're born and raised here, and we, we know that you kind of, you know, we'll get to that part about playing at Boise State, but what took you over to Washington? Well, you know, again, difference between then and now. So when I was in high school and I, I, I was player of the year, my junior year, we lost in the state finals to Bora, which, which was pretty rough. But um, the day after we lost, my dad walks in with this big box of letters and things like that, and they had they had been, they had kind of kept all of my recruiting attention away from me. They didn't want it to be a distraction. So they, my coach and my dad just got together and said, Hey, let's just give this to him at the end of the season. So he doesn't have to think about it. Um, so it was, you know, you go from the ultimate low of losing the state championship to the very next day and you're getting letters from Iowa, you're getting letters from Texas, you're getting letters from Kansas, you know, <laughs> and, and it's a pretty good way to get over the loss of a state state title. Uh, but um so then I got recruited pretty hard. Um, I, got, uh, I got an invite of all things to a basketball camp. It's called the Sports World, uh, the Sports World Superstar Camp. And it was, uh, it was at Cal, uh, it wasn't Fullerton. It was, uh, anyways, down in Cal, Santa Barbara, Santa Barbara. And, and I was there with the best players in the West Coast. Uh, I, I was actually, I got on the same team. They just lined you up by height, picked your team. I got on the same team as Gary Payton. And we just routed everybody. I mean, we just, we just killed it. Nobody knew who I was because I was from Idaho, but we just killed everybody. And that's when the recruiting just went, I mean, it, it went from a level eight to a level 15, really. And so, you know, at, at that point, you're getting calls from all over the place. There was no social media. There was no texting. You're just, you're on the phone for hours and hours and hours. And I met one of the coaches at UW was Joe Cravens. I uh, really liked him. And uh, Coach Russo, who was at Louisiana Tech, coached Carl Malone, showed me a great highlight film, nothing but dunks. Uh, and, uh, and so they just got me really excited about what they were trying to build up there. So I, I, I got caught up in that. Uh, I narrowed it down to probably like my last seven schools and UW was at the top. I took my visit and I was like, yeah, that, that just feels like where I wanted to go. That's awesome. That's actually a really cool story. Cause as you're talking about it, obviously I didn't know any of that. So the importance of like actually going to camps too. I mean, we'll, we'll talk about that in a minute too, with like club basketball being so prevalent now, but back then, I mean, you got a lot of exposure from that because you're from Idaho. So it's, it's really hard. Like, and I still think we struggle with that here in Idaho. I'll let you elaborate on that later too, but 
I still think there is some struggle trying to get the exposure out of the Idaho kids. And I mean, although you're player of the year, stellar athlete, like, yeah, you're, and you're getting some offers, like you weren't quite to that level yet. And then all of a sudden you go to a camp and you compete with the best of the best all of a sudden, boom, then it clicks. So you go to Washington and you ended up playing a couple years there. And then you finished your career at Boise state. Is that correct? Yeah, I, I went there. I did not play hardly at all my freshman year uh, okay. at Washington. I ended up starting my ju- my sophomore and junior year, and you know we just we just never got it in sync. We we had a, I think when we were freshmen, our recruiting class coming in, I think we were second and you know ranked second in the Pac-10 back then, not the Pac-12, and I think we were fifth in the nation. I and mean, we had we had talent. We just we just could never put it together, um, which is which is, you know, pretty big regret, probably a little bit why I'm into coaching and, and things like that. But uh, so I went there and then I ended up transferring to Boise State and redshirting and then uh, playing my final year at Boise State. That's so awesome. So you got to kind of come full circle, you know, come back to the Valley where you used to watch some games over there and then, and then finish up over there. Now, this is, where, this is where things get interesting. Now you get to hear your side and you just even talked about it right there. You kind of had, you know, you're like, okay, what could I do differently here? Like you learn from your coaches, we won't name names or anything like that, but every one of us does. Like you learn from the coaches that are around you, the goods, the bads. You can take good things from any coach, in my opinion, but there's also things that you would, you might do differently. I wouldn't say bad, but you just would, you might do differently in regards to culture and, and stuff like that. So when did you actually decide, okay, I'm going to make the transition from the coaching, sorry, the playing side of things to the coaching side of things. How far after your career was over from the playing aspect, did you make that transition to coaching? It wasn't even a year. Uh, it was, uh, I got a call from uh, George Cox, who was the Boise high coach at the time. Coach Tordeman had, had uh, moved on. And uh, George Cox, who was the sophomore coach when I was playing there, uh, and just he was instrumental to me. Uh, I really do want to say something about teachers. Uh, that, man, I'll tell you what, you get a chance to thank a teacher do it because those people are, they're just, they're the wonderful. And George Cox, I owe, I owe more than I can explain to George Cox, who took a kid whose parents had split up and I was kind of not getting it done in the classroom. This guy sacrificed every lunch of his just for me to come and help me get caught up Uh, for two years. He did that. So um, George was there and he asked me to, to come in and help. And I I was going to, I took the defensive side because I was at Boise state and we were all defense when I was there. And so I started coaching at Boise high. Meanwhile, uh, another guy uh, named, uh, well, named Bruce Perry found me and gave me a, sixth grade AAU team to coach up. And so I, I was coaching those guys back before AAU was really a thing. Uh, and I, we took them to Salt Lake, Seattle, Reno, Vegas, you know, and, and did all that as, and I took them from 12 years old all the way up to seniors. So it was great. Meanwhile, I had a little interruption. I went to a, a tournament over in Eastern Idaho, played really well. Coach Dye was the stampede coach. And, uh, and uh, he called me, this is a couple years after I played. And uh, he called me and he was asking me about a couple of players that were there. And I said, oh yeah, this guy who's from Weaver State, man, this guy could play and he's really good if you can get him. He asked me about another guy and I joked, I said, you know, hey, uh, you know, if, if you take him, I'm coming out of retirement. And I was probably 20, I was probably 25 at the time. And so, uh, and he asked me, he says, well, are you serious? Cause we, yeah, we'd love to have you over here and stuff like that. So, you know, what I would tell, what I try to tell everybody, especially my own son is look, you know, you're not going to be playing your best basketball until you're 23, 24 years old. So be patient. Um, that doesn't answer your question, but I, but I started coaching then I, I coached them and Boise high for, I think it was probably until about 1998, 99. And then I took a couple years off and I coached my nephew 
and his team. And then I took a couple of years off and then we started uh, Boise Slam and started, started coaching there and I've been coaching ever since. So it's, it's off and on 20 plus years. Man, and you just brought up a really good point. So first, you've been coaching for a while. You had a couple interruptions there. But now I just took a note there when you said that, talking to your son, you know, best basketball comes when you're like, you know, 23, 24, 25 years old. I've talked about this before, Coach. Um, I myself personally, right, I, I was 17 as a senior. I was a young kid. I was actually 16 years old as a senior for a week because I was, my birthday was at the very end of August. So we started last year of school, like very end of August. So I was like, oh, I'm a 16-year-old senior. I was just young. I graduated when I was 17. From a basketball aspect, I could always shoot. I led the three. Or I led the league in three-point percentage, but I was a six-man. I, I didn't start. I wasn't like playing, you know, four quarters a game. I was play, playing half the game, and I knew my role. But I left on a church mission, came home later on, you know, and by the time I was about 21, 22, that's when my body matured. That's when I was playing the best basketball in my life. At that point, though, had I gone to a junior college or something like that, I feel like I could have probably actually done some things. But I took, I ended up getting married and taking some other routes in life, but I always felt that same way. I always felt like when your body matures, a lot of athletes, they just feel that you get impatient. Like you said, they get impatient and then they just kind of give up on it. I'm like, no, like if you guys can take these opportunities and build your body truly will mature. Some people don't see that. They don't want to, they don't think that that's going to happen, but it does. Your body naturally matures. Your mentality is different. And if you keep getting those reps, like it's, it's so much better. I'm just so glad you actually said that in the midst of all the, the discussion on the coaching side of things, which well, is crazy. If I can tag that, uh, there, there's so much that you just said that needs, that needs to be separated because it's all so important. Um, physical maturity is one. I was a young, I was a young, I was young for my grade. My, my birthday's June. So I'm not as young as you, but I was, I was young too. Um, now physical maturity is one thing. Okay. And I was lucky athletically. I was, I was very mature up, up here. I wasn't. And so, you know, what I had when I kind of had my little comeback for, you know, a month or so is I had been coaching for two or three years. And so I, I saw the game from a different perspective, which when I played helped me because I was able to understand what my coaches have been telling me all these years. You know, it's amazing right. what you, when you're coaching, you start repeating the stuff that, that other coaches have told you. So there's a physical aspect. There's also the, the maturity aspect. And we can get into club basketball, but the biggest, the biggest problem that I see right now is you got all these people that don't know anything, okay? Literally, they don't know anything. Uh, some do, but not, not many. And they grab a third or fourth grader and they start talking to this third and fourth grader like, hey, man, this kid's going to be a division one player in the third or fourth grade. And I'm like, you got to be kidding me. You, first off, you don't even know what a division one player looks like. Second off, you tell me how tall that kid's going to be by the time they're 17, 18 years old, you tell me how much they're going to weigh. You tell me, you know, are they going to be interested in girls? Are they going to be interested in partying? Are they, you know, and, and so I think one of the things that really hurts a lot of kids right now is that they think they need to be a finished product by the time they're 17. And it's that there's just nothing farther from the truth. And so, you know, one of the things that frustrates people about me as a club coach is I bring people along slowly and everybody wants they want it right now. And I want my kid to average, you know, not everybody, I shouldn't say that because the, the club team that I had, they all understood what we were doing, but the popularity thing or the popular thing to do right now is post a lot of things of myself or my kid on social media, let everybody see how great he's doing in the seventh grade. And I think to myself, who cares who the seventh best seventh grade basketball player is? Who cares? You know, we want to know who's going to be able to really get something done when they're 18, 19, 20 years old. And you're not going to know that if you, if these kids peak too early 
or feel this self-imposed pressure. We got to get into player rankings here in a little bit, but this self-imposed pressure of, well, I was the best fifth grader. That means I'm supposed to be the best, you know, all the way. And they don't realize that other kids are going to catch them. So it's a long story, man, but we could talk for hours on that one because it's, it's near and dear to my heart. Well, I'm just super glad you even brought that up in the first place because it's so true. And I think the pressures, the added pressures now compared to, like, I, I tell people it's been 14 years since I graduated. That's in the retrospect, that's not that long, but the additional pressures of social media, like you just said, we got middle schoolers getting posted like all over TikTok, Instagram, Twitter, everywhere posting all over. So like you're in high school, you're trying to add up to these, like, you know, live up to these pressures uh, or you might be the star player at your particular school. So you feel like this additional pressure, but you still have a lot, you can learn a lot more, you can grow and they, they have to like, do that and there's there's a million club teams now whereas mm -hmm. when i was in school it was boise flight or idaho select and that was it like that was all you had as far and idaho select was not even there yet actually they were kind of still in their like beginning phase but boise flight was it so we didn't have club teams all over now there's club teams everywhere so if you're not playing club you almost feel like you're you're going to be left behind so you got to go do that and it's just a lot of additional pressures man it's it's crazy now in regards to club sports too coach um, before we get into this Meridian High thing, the club sports, you have been coaching at the club level for a while. And we've talked about club sports on this show before and our opinions on the matter and whether or not it's good for athletes. What's your opinion on that? Like, do you feel like it's been good for the development of your athletes in, in regards to basketball? That is a tough question. <laughs> uh, I, think, I think the right club situation for the right kid is, is great. Um, I think clubs provide a really good opportunity. I don't think that, I, I don't think there's a bad club out there. Okay. Um, I think everybody starts clubs with the best of intentions. They want to help. They want to help kids progress. They want to help kids get maybe, uh, maybe just some additional skill work or like you said, Hey man, I, we got to play club just to keep up with everybody else that's playing clubs. So, um, you know, I think there, I think there's a lot of good that comes from it. Uh, I think that there are some, uh, there's some real challenges with it that, you know, club sports isn't for everybody. And, you know, I don't even really know how to answer your question, but I, I think overall it's a good question. It's a good thing, but it has to be done to me a, a specific way to, to bring the most benefit. And, and I just, you know, like you said, we got a million clubs around here which means the talent pool is so watered down. So it, it really becomes tough for kids to get out of club sports what they should because you're just, you know, you got usually have one dominant team. You go to a tournament, you play four games. Two of the games are laughers, right? They either get blasted by a bunch or you, or you win by a bunch. And then the other two are competitive. So, you know, is that good for kids? Is it good for kids to grow up? Like my brother and I talk about this all the time. You could take, you could put 50 kids in a gym. Okay. All wearing white t-shirts and I could separate from, from five different clubs. So 10 per club. And I can, I can separate and tell you basically where every one of those kids plays club basketball because this club runs this offense. They teach their players this way. The other club runs it a different way. And they're so identifiable what we, what I've tried to teach, and I was fortunate because I was, I was six, five, so I could play, I could play one of four positions. That's the way I try to teach it. I don't want to, I don't want to create a system that these kids grow up in. And that's the only system that they know. I want to create basketball players 
So they can go and they can play in any system. And if you look at the downside of clubs in Boise, Idaho, that's the downside. I can totally see that as, it, as I'm sitting here thinking like, this is why you're such a good coach this is why you're as successful as you are is because of the mentality and the theories that you bring into it um, from the coaching aspect. Uh, I, I've noticed that I've covered the Northwest premier invitational uh, for the last two years doing play by play for them. And just seeing all the club teams around the entire region, it's like, you can kind of see exactly what you were just saying. Now it's like starting to like ring true in my head. I'm like, okay, that's exactly what was happening. And I, and I have, I mean, I don't have, like a strong opinion on it. I just see that a lot of club teams are good for a lot of exposure. Like you'll get a lot of scouts out there sometimes and whatnot. But at times I think it does hinder players from my, my perspective. I think if, if they're not coached correctly, they're running certain things and then they form into that type of player. But then when they go back to their high schools and they're trying to play in a certain offense, completely separate from what they're playing in club ball, it's not just run and gun this and that they have to run certain things. It can kind of hinder their development. And then um, all of a sudden they have a bad rap because they have a bad high school season, but their club season, they're good. And it's just, it's a, it's a hard thing in my opinion for players to go if, unless they have the right coaching. I will say this. I saw your team at a, at a club tournament once. And that was like when I first, like I knew you were the head coach at Meridian, but I hadn't actually gone to a game yet of Meridians. I went to a game of Meridians because I saw your guys' club team. And it was actually your son who I was super impressed with because he wasn't any taller than me. He was like 6'2 or whatever at the time. Like he wasn't that tall. And I just remember someone saying, oh, that's, that, that's the Meridian coach's son. All of a sudden that dude, your, your boy dunks it in traffic off one leg with a one hand slam, I wasn't expecting him to dunk it at all. He was driving to the bucket and I was just like, Oh, he'll get a nice, like attack the rim, maybe get a foul. He throws it down. I'm like, Oh man, this kid's athletic. All right, let's go. So, I mean, that's when I was like, wow. Okay. And then I, I kind of just like was attracted to the, 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 the team and I was like, okay, cool. And then I came and saw some of the Meridian games after that, but that's where, I mean, so to, to the club, the club team's defense, like it did get the exposure that I needed to be able to go and, and catch some other games, but so, well, let me let me just ahead, tag one. Let me just tag one thing, and and uh, and I'm gonna try to tie this in. It's gonna sound like I'm talking about myself, and I don't I don't mean to. Okay, but as far as you know, athletes getting recruited out of Idaho. I mean, you know, I I am probably the most recruited, uh, or at least the top five. Right. I had to become one of the. I had to be listed as one of the top 15 players in the West Coast to get that type of exposure, and so that's you know, that's the part that I want people to understand. And it's so different now than when I played, but you know, you have to be, you know, you have to be top 50 to be a guy, you know, now that doesn't mean like, like my son, he's going to go to a JC, which is perfect for him because it's so different now with all the uh, transfer portal and everything like that. Uh, it's, it's the perfect situation for him, but you know, really good for Idaho doesn't necessarily mean you're, you're going to just, you know, walk on to, you know, walk out and get, go to university of Utah and they're going to roll out the red carpet. It just doesn't work that way anymore. So, um, you know, the club basketball scene around Boise is just a little misleading. I think as far as what is really good, you know, what, what's really good that, you know, this player might be really something in this tournament or for his age group or anything like that. And this 2020 class is as good as what's, come along in a long time uh the class that just graduated but what's really really good isn't clearly understood when you look at what it takes to play at the d1 level it, it there's still a lot of misunderstandings about that here locally totally 
Oh, it's so interesting hearing it from your perspective. That's awesome. And hey, best of luck to, to your side. I think actually, I'm actually a fan of Juco basketball, especially in certain areas, because there's a lot of talent out there and there's a lot of things you can learn from it. It's uh, some people always say, oh, it's not D1. No, I'm a, I'm a big advocate of Juco basketball. If you get to the right school and the right system and the right coaching, for that matter, your development can skyrocket. If you're the right type of player, some players don't use it the right way. Some players do. And then they right. catapult their careers later on. So then, like you said, you got to be patient and then when the time's right, you might be hitting that stride right at the perfect time. Um, now, Coach, 2017, Meridian High School, okay? They come, they come looking for you. And that, that program had been like – and no disrespect to any of the coaches that, you know, were there after our final year. But I remember, man, I'm telling you right now, the year that we graduated, we had a couple returners the next season, but they weren't like star players. We knew that, and they knew that. And they were trying to do what they could. They changed the offense all around. I think they won like two games. And then the next season, they won like two games. And then I kind of, I went on a mission for two years, came back. They were still struggling. And they, you'd hear a couple seasons, oh, they won like eight games this year. Or they won this. I'm like, oh, man, they're still struggling. Rocky Mountain had been put into the Valley, which is a, a bigger school on the other side, probably about three miles down the road. And I'm like, man, this is a, this is a struggle. And it just continued to be that way for a while. All of a sudden, you come in there and the culture starts changing. First things first, when you got to Meridian High School, what were your first thoughts? Like, what did you need to change immediately? And then how did you start changing that culture a little bit? Okay, what you're going to learn about me is I don't give short answers. I like <laughs> okay. it, dude. It's awesome. <laughs> um, let, me, let me just go a little bit backwards to go forward. So my son Donovan, actually, we live in Rocky Mountain District. And he played with most of those guys. A lot of those guys are on my club team. So we're looking at an eighth grade year and his middle school team at heritage. They were just, I mean, I don't think they had a game inside of 40 points. I look at Donovan Rocky mountain had gone. Uh, they had just gone to the state tournament and one consolation and they were bringing seven guys back. Their JV team and their soft frost team was undefeated. And they're bringing, now they're bringing in this heritage group. That's just, it's just loaded. Right. They didn't, and they didn't even have Townsend. <laughs> at that time. Uh, and so I look at Donovan and I said, look, man, you, you're going to go there. There's no doubt you can play there, but you're going to go there. And to me, it's going to be hard for you to stand out because there's so much talent there that nobody's going to be the guy. And Mike Chatterton was the Meridian coach. Mike started Boise Slam. I've known Mike since I was 10 years old. He's my high school teammate. And so I said, look, Coach Chatterton's over at Meridian and they got, you know, they got some players that are coming up and, you, you know, he's going to coach you right and you're going to be able to, you're going to be able to develop more as a player because you're just going to be required to do more than you are if you're sitting with, you know, three, six, seven guys on your front line, you know. So uh, to Donovan's credit, uh, he decided, yeah, I'm going to go to Meridian and, and I'm going to try to rebuild this thing. So my connection to Meridian wasn't even at first, it wasn't even a coach. I was just a dad. <laughs> nice. uh, okay. Yeah. And so then, uh, and I had talked to Mike Chatterton and I said, look, you know, you're going to be around, right. You know, and stuff like that. Well, then some stuff happened and Mike had to part ways with Meridian and through no fault of his own. And I'm, I'm thinking here, I talked my kid into going to the school and that, and the reason, the main reason that he's going just left. So now what? And uh, it was it was pretty quick conversation that I was told um, you need to take that job, <laughs> which I had never thought. Of. I did not think I was going to be a high school coach, really ever. 
uh, again. And so um, anyway, that's how I get to Meridian and I get there and yeah, we had been down. I mean, you know, that, that we had been down for a while. And so what the hardest thing to do is to get guys who aren't used to winning to expect to win. That's, that's the hardest thing and because it's, it's way back here. It's not something they think of consciously. It's, it's way back in their, in their mind. And that first summer when, I mean, literally I got the job, we had one day of tryouts and then we started our summer season. I mean, it happened that fast. So, um, you know, I, I would just try to get to learn the guys and understand their ins and outs. And we would, we would really have great runs, but then we would just, we would just fall into an old habit and get, you know, guys would get down and they would, I don't want to say they expected to lose, but they just didn't expect to win. So uh, I think that was the first thing was letting them know that, uh, hey, the expectations here are we, we're, we're going to be a, we're going to be a solid team. And the expectation of you as players is high. And that, that goes to your grades, that goes to your attendance in class, that goes to your commitment to your teammates and things like that. So that was really the first thing. I also felt like this is, you know, this is just kind of how I am, man. You know, look, I, those kids needed to know that I, I, I really cared about them. I genuinely care about them as young men. And they're not just a player in a uniform that I'm going to utilize for a couple of years while they're there and then, and then turn them loose. And so uh, we've been working on that for a while. And, uh, and I give all the credit to the guys that have gone through because it hasn't been easy. I mean, it's not like I went in there and just had a you know, group hug and, and everything turned around. I mean, I, I get after guys and, uh, and I try to support them and I try to love them, but I try to coach them. And so that's, that was really the starting point. Man. Okay. That's see, I had a feeling like you come into the, a situation like that. And from a coach's perspective, you've seen all these other coaches have tried, you, you kind of look at the history, like, uh, they tried to do the same thing. They probably came in uh, short tenure. This one came in here, tried to turn it around short tenure and you have to come in there and try to try to change things up a little bit. It's probably difficult to do so. But in my opinion, from the outside perspective, it seemed like it was a pretty quick change. I know it's probably a lot of work that went on behind the scenes for that. Like you just mentioned, there's a lot that went on trying to, to change this culture, trying to change their mentality to expect to win. But to me, it was like, oh, wow, you could feel a momentum shift with that program. I, I really could. Like, obviously, the whole valley around here, we knew of Rocky Mountain High School. They're nationally ranked. They're just loaded with talent. Everyone's parents are moving in there. If they're coming from out of state, they move there because they want to go play at Rocky because they win. And this, I mean, I'll, I'll, I'm not going to lie. Like, I, I was like 29 years old at the time. And I remember um, walking, like, Rocky Mountain High School's basketball players were at like a restaurant. I'm like, dude, every one of these kids is literally over six foot five. Like, what is going on over here? Like, I was like, they're, they're a talented team. But, like, you could sense just a couple miles down the road, Meridian was shifting. When you guys started sensing that momentum, what happened as a program? Like, did, could you sense that with your players that they started to expect that and they started knowing, like, okay, we can compete with these guys? Well, <laughs> again, um, I, I think the real answer to that question is they weren't given a choice. <laughs> I mean, my, my guys weren't given a choice of, you know, hey, do you, do you feel like being a good basketball team? That, that was not an option. This is your only choice. You know, this is how we're going to do it here. And if you want to be a part of this, this is how you're going to do it. Now, again, we're still shaking off. I, I call it, I called it scar tissue. You know, we, we still had to get rid of some scar tissue from guys that had, honestly, man, I mean, they had, they had, they had it rough. Right. I mean, it's not like the record was bad. The scores were bad, you know. And so when you're getting blitzed by 40 points and stuff like that, it's really tough to say, hey, you know what? Yeah, let's roll our sleeves up and let's get after these guys. You know, I mean, it's it's just hard to get yourself there mentally 
and um, especially, you know, like Donovan's, Donovan's age group, you know, they came in from successful club programs, successful middle schools. So they were used to winning. But, you know, the guys that were there before that really hadn't had that same success. And so, uh, you know, I, listen, I, I get all these great compliments. You know, I love how you coach and I love how you're calm you are on the sideline and things like that. And, you know, if you talk to my players, they will all tell you, I think, a couple things. They'll say, look, Coach Sainer, we know Coach Sainer loves us. All right. We know he loves us. But second off, we, we also know he doesn't, he, he, his expectations are through the roof. And if you don't meet those expectations, he's going to let you know. And it, there is going to be absolutely no question about what he's saying to you. So, <laughs> so I, 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 you know, I don't know if we ever felt it turning. I think we just, we just are taking steps and, and we're, doing, we're doing that right now. We're just continuing to take, take steps forward. And the more we take, the better we do. Um, we have guys now, last year's team. I mean, last year's team went into games. And when we lost, it was shocking. When we lost to Rocky Mountain the first time, I mean, we were stunned. Uh, because I think we had them, what, we were down, we were up three with, with three to go or something like that. And then those guys ran off, uh, they got a bunch of offensive rebounds on us. I mean, that was, that was the difference is they got off offensive rebounds and putbacks. But, I mean, if you would have seen our locker room, it was, it, we were stunned. So I know you're talking about 2017. I, I guess, the, again, the short answer to your question is, is that I don't give guys a choice on how we're going to go about trying to be successful. And, and some people like it, some people don't. Uh, I'm, I'm not, I don't, get, I don't get after kids personally, but I will, I will get after kids 100% if they are meet, not meeting the expectations of Meridian basketball. Totally. And I think the players respect you. You can tell, totally tell that. They, they believe in your mission. It's almost like a real life Coach Carter, like, or a modern day Coach Carter situation here. Like, you can sense that they believe in the system. They believe in the coaching. So that's, that's the most important piece. I think that's awesome. And like, as a fan coming like over here, I'm like, wow, dude, you can see these players, they play for them. They play for each other, but they play for their coach. You're like, you can sense that. Um, I've had teams where we've played and we didn't like the coach. Like it was hard. We didn't believe in the coach. And I'll just be honest. It was probably a mentality problem for me being young and, and just being prideful. But there was also times where we were like, okay, we might be losing right now, but we believe in what coach is telling us to do. And like, let's, let's go do it. Like we know that he knows what he's talking about. So you can sense that your players knew that. Now this last season, you guys are, you guys were on a tear and arguably like, as I was following it, obviously you can talk about the school down the street. Yes, we know them, but there were two other schools in this district that were like superior to the majority of schools that have been here. Like if you, any other year, like Meridian is like top, top of the state. Like in my opinion, I'm not even just saying that because I'm talking to you. I'm like, I'm dead serious. You and Bora and, and, and obviously you got Rocky, but you guys are phenomenal. And it was just an, it's an amazing season when you guys made the state basketball tournament, what was the feeling in the locker room when you guys broke that barrier and actually made, like, I want to know from your perspective as a coach, how happy you were, or if you even showed emotion one. And then two, <laughs> what, did the, what did the players think? Your son was on the team. What was that like for you being able to coach your son into the state tournament? Well, it was wonderful. Uh, being able to coach Donovan period has been great. He's, he's just, uh, he's a rare kid. And, um, uh, you know, it's, it's hard coaching your kid. Uh, because there's times that I, I will say things to him that um, could could really affect our, <laughs> our relationship. And to his credit, man, he wants to be coached. Uh, so it was great. Uh, this is going to sound like a little bit of a, a, of a downer. We, um, 
we went to the district tournament to win it. So losing to Bora and, you know, Doug on it. I mean, those guys, they played great. Coach Dennis did a, did a wonderful job. Um, but we went, we had, we had nailed biter with Rocky the first time. The second time they got after us, it was right after our stinky sneaker game. So I didn't handle that. We played them the next night <laughs> and I did not approach that game the right way. Uh, and to your point, that Rocky Mountain team this year, we won't see another team like that for another 20 uh, with that much height, that much athleticism. And this, again, this 2020 group is just, it's, it's just rare. I mean, you look at Austin at Bohr, you look at Tanner at, 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 at Eagle, you know, I mean, all the guys at Rocky, the guys at Meridian, it, it's just rare. But going into that locker room after beating Boise, I walked in there and it was pretty quiet. I mean, literally that was, they were happy, but it was more of just like another day at the office. So I, I sensed that when I walked in, cause I walked in after the players got in and, and Donovan told me, he goes, man, I didn't even realize we made state. I was just so focused on beating Boise that I didn't even really rethink about, you know, the next thing. And so I had to go in there and I had to liven it up a little bit you know, so I started jumping around and yelling and stuff like that. And then, you know, it, it kind of came up. So, um, you know, they were happy, but I, I think there was just a little bit of, you know, man, th this is great, but we didn't enter the district tournament just to make state. We really, we really felt like we had a shot at winning the whole thing. So, um, so it was, it was great. We appreciated it, but we weren't necessarily satisfied. Man, so that that speaks wonders to the way that you got them shifted mentally. Seriously, like I just finished the book called Relentless by Tim Grover. Tim was uh, Kobe's trainer, Michael Jordan's trainer, Dwayne Wade's trainer. He talks about that whole mindset of like when you get something done, like you're never satisfied. You're always going for more kind of thing. Obviously, the mama mentality, if you ever remember that like Kobe talking at the press conference, job's not finished job finished like he always said that like it's not finished he was never satisfied and obviously you guys had the mentality like yeah you're happy but you didn't win the the, the tournament you didn't win district so you're kind of like it's not like what you want it's not the ultimate goal so it takes that mentality and and that's not the same mentality I want everybody listening to this podcast to understand that Meridian High School basketball did not have that mentality for over a decade okay like that's just the reality of it it was it was not good. And the fact that you were able to shift that and help them and it credit to yourself and the kids themselves, the young men for being able to get there. Um, it's just phenomenal. Now here's the question, coach. We're, we're excited. Like when I, when I saw that you were like, I was like a kid in a candy shop, man. I was like, Oh my gosh, Meridian just made state. Let's go. Like, and I work, my, my studio is literally right across the street from the Idaho center. So I had already, I told my boss, I'm like, Hey man, um, I'm taking a longer lunch during the state tournament. Meridian's playing first round. I gotta go catch that game. And, uh, he was totally cool about it, but I'm wondering, like, I, I came on here, I even did like a little thing. I like, got, Hey, like I was trying to like, I was so excited. I wanted everybody to come in the Valley. Just like, come check this out guys. It's like a big moment. But when you guys found out like this is, I, I tell you, it's a modern day coach Carter situation. I'm not even joking. You guys are a stellar team, like arguably top two, three in the state of Idaho at the time. And you get matched up with the top team in the state in Rocky mountain. What were your thoughts there? Or was it one of those things like, okay, well, which just yeah, got to get a job done. I didn't care. Uh, we were I figured. Yeah. If, if, you know, we had, when I was at, at Boise high, you know, Meridian lost in the district uh, tournament with Scott Kern and Roddy uh, Johnson and stuff like that. And so we ended up playing them in the semifinals. 
And it was the same deal. Hey, we're going to play them at some point anyway. So semifinals, first round, championship, doesn't matter to me. Um, and that's the way we felt against Rocky Mountain. I don't, I don't, dis- I don't necessarily, I don't agree with um, how it's seated, how the state tournament is seated. But I, I found some old scrapbooks of mine and guess what they were talking about in 1986. You know, hey, this is how the state tournament <laughs> should be seated. So it's, it's been messed up for a long time. Um, I, I didn't really care that much. I, I really thought, um, I really thought we, again, I thought we were going to beat Rocky. Uh, they came out, you know, let's be honest, right? They, <laughs> they came out like something we did not expect. They scored, uh, they scored, think about this. They scored 17 points on six of seven shooting. Yeah, I was there. Right? Yeah. <laughs> Never and seen so, that. you know, hey, credit to them. It was their night. They played really well, you know. Did we see the real Rocky? No, I think we saw the best possible Rocky. I think the real Rocky, I don't even want, I, and did Post Falls see the real Rocky? No, I think Post Falls saw a little lesser version of the real Rocky. So, you know, it, it just, in a tournament setting, right, the state tournament does not identify the best team in the state. It identifies the best team for three days. <laughs> That's all. And, you know, we were... I don't want to make excuses, but uh, I will tell you, you know, uh, my, my big guy, Brody, I mean, he dislocated his kneecap twice, you know, so we, the second half of the season, we weren't even the same team. Donovan strains a tendon in his knee and rolls his ankle twice. So, you know, we weren't even the same team at the end that we were at the beginning. So, and I'm sure Rocky probably had their injuries that they were dealing with. Boar probably had some of theirs, et cetera. But, uh, you know, look, the the state tournament again that our our goal is how good can we be at the end right and that's not even when i look back on it that's not even the right thing because when i when i look at our season last year i say okay look 20 and 5 you know you 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 have to measure this thing across the whole season to really understand what you did and we were 20 and 5 so that's kind of my takeaway from it. Uh, you know, matching up with Rocky the first, first game, uh, I, it could have been anybody. I don't care. Uh, but uh, it just depends on whose day it is. I mean, Timberline almost got post falls. Post falls beats Rocky pretty handily the next night. It's just tournament, man. It's anybody's day and, and whatever happens. So I'm just really proud of our guys and the way that they stuck together with it. We make a lot of, you know, this is, you talk about culture, you know, we make a lot of promises to each other. And we actually have a notebook. Each kid has a notebook. We have a thought of the day and every kid makes a promise based off of that thought. And then we get together about once a month and we read our promises to each other. And I will tell you that uh, when I went back through and, and listened to the promises, I'm just checking off boxes saying, yep, we lived up to that one. We lived up to that one. We lived up to that one. And who gets the trophy at the end is that's icing on the cake. But the fact that <clears throat> that our group can look look back at themselves and look back at each other and say we made promises to each other that we kept um that that means everything to me that's so awesome that is so cool man it's, and you yeah it's just so cool and it's like giving me chills thinking about it again like just the <laughs> the brotherhood of, of being on a team together and, and having each other's backs then obviously the way that you instilled that in your players doing the promises and and everything like that man it's uh it's crazy and like you said I, I love the points you made about a state a state tournament. It's uh, I I was there at that game. I was like this. That was the first time I actually watched Rocky that season, and everyone's like, "See, I told you." I'm like, "Yeah, but man, I've of all the years I've been following basketball, you don't shoot that well every single game." I'm sorry, like 
I'm like, you're, you're talking like six foot eight dudes pulling up jumpers, like full speed. I'm like that. That's, no, that's just how they, nah, man. And then, like you said, it's just about matchups. Maybe it's not, they're not. Yeah. And, and then the, yeah, it just happens in a state tournament. It was unfortunate there, but I, I could tell you guys, even the next game, I went to the next game the next day um, in the consolation bracket and you guys were loosened up and you were playing. And I loved it. I love that they were having fun. They were having a good time out there and, and making their way through and, and, and playing together and just having a good time together. So, so the mistake that I made, right? A coach has to fess up when he makes a bad call. And, and going from the Mountain View stinky sneaker to the Rocky game during the season, I handled it terrible. <laughs> you can tell by the outcome. Um, I tried to calm us down from the stinky sneaker game. And instead of, I should have just ridden the high, right? I should have just ridden the high from stinky sneaker, rolled it right into Rocky because we needed energy. I, d I didn't realize how badly uh, during the season. Now, I'm also going to give myself some credit where I did it right. <laughs> and going from the Rocky game to the Timberline game, I said something that I was really proud of to our guys. I said, look, now we're, we've got no shot at this championship. Now we're going to find out who loves basketball versus who just wants something from basketball. And the guys, man, they absorbed that. And they went out and played against Timberline like, I mean, like you saw. I mean, they played for absolute love for the, basket, for the game of basketball. They played for love of each other. I think of even for love of Meridian. And, uh, and they played wonderfully. So couldn't be more proud of them. And I, I, I'm going to give myself a little bit of a pat on the back uh, because I think that was, that was what they needed to hear. And, they, and, and it means that I know my guys, which I really, I'm really proud of. And, uh, and they did really well. So I'm super proud of them. You should be proud of yourself, man, and proud of them. It was, it was, it was awesome watching that. And that's cool to hear what you said too, because you could totally tell from a fan's perspective, as you guys heard, I, I didn't know we said that. I just said that before. And you can tell that's had a major impact on his players. Now, coach Sander, tell us this real quick. You know, you had an awesome season, you broke the barriers, but we just talked about it. Like your mentality, it's not, that job's not finished, right? Now we got to keep finding a way. Like once you hit the t top, this is where you start to see where, where people either they, they coast on that and they're like, Oh, okay, I'm good. They're satisfied. Or do they continue to try to like improve themselves? Mm -hmm. What can we expect from your program? I mean, there's a lot of unknowns right now with this pandemic going on, but like, what can we expect from your program in uh, this upcoming season, assuming things continue to play out as normal, quote unquote. So, so remember when you said like, if there's anything you shouldn't ask, right. You shouldn't ask me about next year's team. Cause I'm so excited about the team that we have. coming. <laughs> I don't want to, I, I don't want to talk too much about them because I'm going to, I'm going to set them. Uh, they, they're so special. I mean, okay. they're so special. Uh, they're, they're special young men. Um, we made, you know, we, we've got a guy, Drayson Fisher, we make our promises and he, he shoots me a message probably a month or so after the season. And he says, you know, I was, I was reading through my promises and I realized that I hadn't made any promises about being a leader. And I just want you to hold me accountable to that. Well, Drayson's one of our guards. He drives other teams crazy. Right. But here I'm saying, this is a guy that's reading his promises a month after the season ended. Right. I mean, I, I, I would send him a nightly reminder, read your promises, read your prom. I want him to do it every night. And he's still doing it a month after the season and trying to add more promises to the list. Forget about talent because we're going to be talented. Okay. I got seven guys coming back off of a team that went 20 and five. So the, the, the skill level is there. What I'm so excited about is the young men that I have 
and their dedication to themselves, the each other, and our program. Um, it's 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 really hard not to get excited <laughs> to oh. get excited uh, because again, it's so much more than wins and losses. You know, it's it's about these young men and what I'm able to share with them that meant, has meant so much to me that they can now take, make their own, and eventually somewhere down the line, they're going to pass it on to somebody else. And this thing is going to, whether they're at Meridian or at one of our basketball camps or they're coaching their own son someday, they're going to be able to take something from this group that's really special, that really made it special, and they're going to be able to pass it on. And that, that's what I'm so excited about. Um, we are not resting on our laurels. Um, we want to get better every single day. We are working our tails off under the rules that, we're, that we have to work within. Um, and guys are just, uh, the guys are just driven. And so I'm, ex I'm, I'm just, I can't wait. I'm so excited that uh, I just, I pray that things happen like they're supposed to and we get back to normalcy uh, because watching these guys play next year is, is just, uh, it's just something I can't wait for. Yeah, we look forward to it as well. And so what we'll do, guys, is we'll leave that here because what I plan on doing is uh, talking to Coach Saner a few more times, you know, maybe as the, seasons the season comes up and as we start to progress so we can kind of keep an eye on this. Um, it's something I've always wanted to do too is just kind of cover my alma mater and kind of see how they're doing. And now that Coach Saner has been on the show, you guys kind of hear it. I want you guys to kind of pay attention, keep an eye on Meridian High School basketball now going forward and uh, kind of keep an eye on these young men as they develop into men, so to speak. So, Coach Sainer, I appreciate you joining the show. It's been an awesome time talking to you, and I just really appreciate your time, man. Thank you so much. Okay, well, this was great. Thanks. Thanks for having me, and this was a lot of fun. Absolutely. And you guys know the drill. Make sure you're subscribed to the show. Leave me a review on iTunes. Share it with your friends and family, and uh, we'll talk to you guys next week. Guys, thanks so much for listening to another episode of my show. Now, if you could go and do me a favor, head over to iTunes, give me five stars, and leave me a review. It would be greatly appreciated. Thanks, guys. Appreciate your support.